Oh, there we go. All right, we're on now. All right, three, two, one. Welcome to episode seven of Nittany Sports Now's Victory Again podcast. This is Joe Smeltzer along with Brandon Walker. And Brandon, the Ohio State game is over. It's Wednesday night, a little later than we usually record, but that's okay. Penn State has Indiana Saturday, and we'll talk about that. But Brandon, the story that's dominated Penn State football coverage and conversation this week is who is going to start at quarterback? Judging from James Franklin's press conference and what she was asked extensively about Sean Clifford and Drew Auer, as well as an interesting answer Brendan Strange gave in his media availability Wednesday afternoon. We'll talk about that. It appears our starting is more realistic now than it has been at any point this season. So Penn State had its Wednesday practice this afternoon before we're recording this. For those who don't know, Wednesday is the day Penn State allows media to view a portion of practice. In that viewing window, nobody saw basically the left side of Penn State's offensive line with Landon Tangwall and Olu Fashanu both out. But really, the big thing is the quarterback position. And judging from what James Franklin said, I think it's increasingly likely almost by the day that Drew Auer is going to get the nod at Indiana. Uh, Brandon, what are your thoughts on that? As much as every I do want it to happen, because I think he's gonna I think he's gonna start Clifford one more week. I think it's gonna be the Maryland game that they actually he actually starts him. I don't know, but it's etching closer because I'm not gonna put the lot if you want to put the lion's share of the Ohio State loss on on who lost the game. It was Clifford and his interceptions and fumbles and stuff like that. I agree. And if you want, like us, if you want to be, have a charity and to be loyal, then uh, start, then uh, start Clifford. But you're going to be Indiana either way. The only game I'm like thinking about, which is the dicey one is Maryland. Because Maryland got the offense. They got the talent. I'm not too sure about the defense, but Aller could probably throw on them and have success against them as just as much. So it's just the fact that it's it's time. It, it's time. Like the fans want it. Not not that it matters about what the fans think, but what I think is. You know you're not going to be an elite team with uh, Sean Clifford. You're probably not going to be an elite team this year with Alar, but putting him in there gets you closer to being an uh, elite team in the future. Yeah, I think if he's if they're going to start Alar, they're going to do it this week at Indiana because I think it's a perfect setup because you're playing – against a bad team that's lost five straight, although Indiana beat Illinois somehow. I'm not sure how that happened. But Indiana's lost five in a row. Its top receiver towards ACL was out for the season. Uh, the pass defense is awful. I think it ranks outside the top 100 in FBS. So that's a good uh, good day for a quarterback to kind of uh, ball out. But starting hour against Maryland wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me because Maryland's the one game I – could maybe possibly see Penn State having trouble with, although I'd still pick Penn State to win. But 
I think if Franklin's going to make the decision this week is the time to make the decision. Um, if you haven't seen James's press conference from this week yet, he was asked. I read it. I've seen it. I actually, I, actually well, I, I was just effort. talking to whoever's listening, but oh, uh, yeah, so he was asked about our, and usually in, in the time I've been covering Penn State, there's been a few games where Sean Clifford's status has been in question. And when that's the case, most recently being before the Minnesota game this year, Franklin's answers usually indicate that they plan on going with Sean Clifford as long as his health permits. There was no indication this week. Franklin talked about how extensively his conversations had been with offensive coordinator Mike Yursich, defensive coordinator Manny Diaz, Danny O'Brien, who's an offensive analyst, used to be a quarterback in Maryland when Franklin was an assistant there. Ken Wisenhunt, who is a former NFL head coach and is known by people in this state best for being the offensive coordinator on the 2005 Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers. He's an analyst at Penn State. Franklin said he talked to him. Uh, so they have thought a lot about this. Um, I don't know how long they've been thinking about it, but they've definitely been thinking about it this week after the Ohio State game and with the easy Big Ten portion of Penn State's schedule, if you will, headed out, headed up with four games starting at Indiana this week and then against Maryland at home November 12th at Rutgers November 19th and then closing the regular season out with the Lane Grant game against Michigan State at PRSA in the 26th. Those are four games that Penn State should win. They could win all four by double digits. So with that being the case with our having a lot of college, not a lot of college football experience, but a lot of experience relative to where he was when training camp started in August uh, compared to where he is now with November, there's multiple variations uh, or not variations, uh, there's multiple reasons that this makes sense for uh, Franklin to make the switch. And I think the fact that Franklin not only didn't give an indication that Clever was starting, also he and Brendan Strange both made reference to how well Sean Clifford has prepared Drew Hour to be a college football quarterback. And to me, that's a statement people make if they're getting ready to pass the torch. Maybe that's not the case. But that's what my perception is. If you're going to mention how well Clifford has prepared Drew Hour in the middle of the season, that could be a sign that you're going to pass the torch in the middle of the season. Of the season, yeah, at least to you me. know what? Remember that uh, press conference about he mentioned like he had to talk after he, on Sunday he talked to Franklin about about whatever they had to talk about Monday. That conversation didn't have it. They didn't have that time at, yet. I don't know if they had it by now. Coming it, still, it still has not happened. Uh, Franklin was asked about it Wednesday. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. So. But here's what I think. Because, look. There, like, I want to talk about, I want to switch courses. Before, I was, I'll, I'll just say this. How I think it's gonna. this is going to play out is this. Clifford will start. And I think the way I think this game is going to go, I don't know. I, I haven't, I, like, because I don't think Indiana's really that good. I think this is going to be a blowout. I think this is going to be a game that he starts in the second half. And then he might go from there to Maryland to be the starter. That's what I think could happen. That's, That's what I think that can pass the torch. 
Yeah, uh, that there's definitely Penn State could um, get a jump on Indiana, uh, definitely, and then have our uh, play the entire second half. Uh, Franklin's mentioned multiple times over the course of the season that he's wanted to get Drew Hour into the game even before halftime, late in the second quarter. He said that after the Ohio game, uh, didn't quite come into fruition. He ended up coming in early in the third quarter. Uh, Central Michigan, I don't think Hour came in until the fourth quarter. Uh, and then Northwestern, uh, same type that he didn't play at all against Northwestern, actually. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a possibility. Um, and we'll talk about Indiana a little bit. This is this is a bad football team. Uh, and this is the type of game that James Franklin's been known to win. Of course, the main uh, the main thing about James Franklin, right, in Penn State football under James Franklin is that Penn State takes care for the most part. There's some exceptions, but takes care of the teams it needs to take care of. But once it has the chance to really make a statement against the Ohio States and Michigans, it doesn't get the job done. And we saw that this year. But Indiana, of course, the last time Penn State came to Bloomington 2020, the famous Penix to the pylon game. Uh, Indiana went for two in the first overtime period and got it in controversial fashion. Many people thought and still think that Quarterback Michael Penix was short of the pie line, but nonetheless, yeah. review. Uh, it was called a touchdown on the field, and it kept the touchdown. Um, it really kept um, after the review, and Indiana won the game, and that sent Penn State to one of its worst years ever, really. Penn State started 0-5, won the next four uh, to kind of save face, but still finished 4-5. But this 2022 Indiana team, they won against Illinois week one, uh, and that's really been it. And they beat Idaho by 13, beat Western Kentucky by three and overtime Western Kentucky, uh, not only is a mid-major program, but it's kind of a mediocre mid-major program. It's five and four, uh, with of Dallas lost to North Texas, 40 to 13 this past mm. Saturday. So Western Kentucky is not good. Idaho's not good. And those are your free wins. They beat Illinois. Congrats, but Illinois has skyrocketed since then, and Indiana has plummeted. Run uh, through the rest of their schedule real quick. At Cincinnati, lost by 21. At Nebraska, lost by 14. Against Michigan, hung in for a little bit, but yeah, lost, ended up losing 31 to 10. Uh, lost to Maryland by just five at home, but also keep in mind that uh, Toluca Tagovailoa, the quarterback for Maryland, um, got hurt in the middle of that game. Uh, and then most recently lost at Rutgers and Rutgers is, uh, they're not as pathetic as they used to be, but they're still four and four, uh, with a loss in Nebraska at home and a 31, nothing loss at Minnesota, at Minnesota a team that Penn State pounded, pounded, excuse me, I uh, can't talk tonight most recently. So yeah, this is a game that Penn State uh, should win pretty easily. I think it's the easiest game Penn State has played. Since Northwestern, um, the thing that would worry me as a Penn State fan is James Franklin says, bring your own juice uh, for games that might be a little tougher to get up for uh, than Ohio, an Ohio State game or a Michigan game would be. Uh, that might be the deal here. Uh, Indiana, that stadium's gonna, maybe not dead, but it's not going to be rocking the way a Michigan stadium would be. So it, Penn State might have to bring its own energy. Uh, but I think the fact that it's starting at 3.30 and not noon is going to help with that a lot. I think Penn State will have more extra time to get up for Indiana and then uh, go out and uh, take care of business. So, yeah, not a lot uh, to concern people 
um, about Indiana at all. And that's kind of why nobody really asked James Franklin about Indiana in his Tuesday press conference. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's why he was like, you know what? We we can talk a little bit more about the Ohio State or like recap the Ohio State game because we we just think if Penn State just comes up and shows up and not turn the ball over, they got this game. They talk. He talked about mostly transfer poor players, and I pretty much I'm not gonna. I don't want to. I'll have to research more about who actually plays on Indiana. So, but what is the one question I want? We talked about Ohio State and Michigan. What? What do you think is the difference? Is it recruiting? Is it coaching? Do they have do Penn State have to get a better coaching staff around James Franklin? Because here's what I asked because my article that came out the day before Saturday's go Friday, I talked about I, they said they uh, a part of my diatribe was a part of well. All this he made. I see they talked about the facilities and all that stuff. I don't know how I don't know how often you went to the facilities you go for the games and stuff like that. What are their facilities like and how does that compare to other people, other schools and like the Big Ten is because you probably know more than I do. I can't I've never stepped foot in the weight room and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they they just renovated the weight room, and I think that renovation is about complete um, with the last building. Uh, so uh, that, that'll help a lot. But I think that Penn State has good facilities, but like Georgia did an absolutely massive uh, overhaul of its uh, facilities and just its whole program, um, like just spent a ton. And that's I don't think Penn State has done something like that, if that makes sense. So. I, I don't know if it's smart for James Franklin to publicly say like he did uh, the first day before the Ohio State game that he hasn't been getting enough help uh, from the athletic department uh, and the university um, in um, funding uh, for uh, facilities and just upgrades. But I don't know if Penn State has as good of – has done as good a job in that department as a team like Ohio State has. Uh that's not really my area of expertise, but from from the naked eye, I don't think Penn State is. We use the word elite a lot. I don't think they're elite. I think they're good, not elite in what kind of surrounds the program. And as far as why aren't they at the level that Ohio State or Michigan are right now? Well, I think Ohio State's easy to explain because Ohio State basically Jim Trussell gets hired before the 2001 season, and then Ohio State from 2002 to 2010 pretty much runs the Big Ten every year. They didn't right. win the championship every year, but they were champions or close to the top every single year. Then they had that, obviously, the whole tattoo thing, and Trestle basically gets fired, is forced to resign. Uh, they have a down year in 2011 with Luke Fickle as the interim coach. Urban Meyer comes in, and they're right back to Dom. Then you go undefeated in 2012, and from, 12, from 2012 to where they are now, Ohio State has been the kings of the Big Ten. Um, generally speaking, and that's that's easy to explain. Penn State just not there yet. Michigan, I think, like Penn State, Michigan hired a big name coach in Harbaugh, a big personality at Harbaugh, which Franklin's a big personality too. Um, and Penn State and Michigan were kind of even from 2016 to uh, 2020, but the last two years, Michigan's kind of at Penn State, and I think that's 
something where in the next few years, Penn State could definitely be back on even footing with Michigan. Um, so that's kind of a more realistic target. But I don't know when Penn State will catch Ohio State because Ohio State's really had a stranglehold on the Big Ten for a lot of the past two decades. So Yeah, we probably know uh, other factors is why other, you know, other factors of why Penn State, you know, had to, you know, was down and they're not where they need, they're not elite yet. They had, let's just say they got a lot of catching up to do. We'll just say that. But it's just the fact, I was like, is it the facilities? Is it like the coaching, the recruiting staff? Because, because it seems like they can do better with the pro, like, developing elite pros. I know they have Michael Parsons, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Jahan, but I think they could do so much, have so much more pros. Because I, when I looked at him, I thought Marvin Harrison Jr. is from Philly. And he, is he not? I'm like, and plus, yeah, yeah. I was, plus, I was so impressed. The kid is like, I don't, how old are you, Joe? I am 24. You're 24, so you probably didn't watch him in his prime. I'm 35, and I'm, this guy—if you saw his game—he plays just like his dad. His Marvin Harrison is six foot, if that. This kid's six four. Running routes, choppy steps, using speed, soft hands. I'm like. And they got like three, four guys like that, and Penn State really don't have that at re- receiver. I mean, they might have a couple guys that's coming through the pipeline, but these kids, these kids are on another. These receivers are on another level. These, it's just like the running back was pr- impressive, Henderson. Like mm-hmm. we said before, it was just too much talent, and it. Bubbled up to the surface late in the game, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, and Penn State has a great receiver itself in Parker Washington, who's really kind of uh, coming to his own the past few weeks. Um, but, yeah, talking about this Indiana game, uh, Penn State is a little banged up. Uh, Landon Tangwall and Olu Fashanu, the whole left side of Penn State's, uh, starting left side of Penn State's O-line, uh, they didn't practice Wednesday, weren't seen at practice anyway, in the media's viewing window. So they might be a no-go for uh, Saturday. Kevon Lee looks like he'll be a no-go again for the third straight game. Um, don't really know what his deal is. Um, there's a lot a lot to talk about there, but uh, – that's uh, for another day. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd be a little concerned with uh, Tangwall and Fashaner not playing, especially Fashaner, because, man, that guy might be uh, – it's looking increasingly likely he's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. And to have that, that type of talent out of your lineup is huge, no matter who you're playing. But I think Hunter on Morzat has done a pretty good job filling in for uh, Tangwall in the past few weeks. Tangwall got hurt in warm-ups against – Michigan and hasn't played since then played a Michigan game, then played Minnesota game, then played against Ohio state. And I don't believe he warmed up uh, for Minnesota or Ohio state either, but um, Penn state should be able to run the ball. You would think, um, I believe Indiana has allowed a hundred yard rushers uh, six times this season in eight games. And that's just, uh, 
crazy. And Penn State has right. two backs we've talked about a lot, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, that are have 100-yard games under their belts already, and both of them can go for 100 yards any given week already as a teenager still. But um, it'd be nice to see uh, Penn State have 200-yard rushers in the same game. Uh, that hasn't happened yet uh, this season. Not sure when the last time it did happen. But, yeah, maybe this is the week that both Singleton and Batman Catron Allen uh, get get over that hump at 100 yards. All right, let me ask, ask you what you think. I put it in the uh, part of you saw my takeaways. Right now, I'm saying right this second, I think Katron Allen is the better overall back. Yeah. I'm not saying he's more talented, but it just seems like, especially on that one player that he got stopped at the on fourth down when they went for it, it seems like he's often too often tries to go for the home runs rather than just – take the three, four yards, and get to the first down. Allen hits the hole hard with authority more often than uh, Singleton. And no, he has displays better patience. I don't know if he's better right now. I think he's more consistent. I think he's more reliable. I think, yeah. like, you give the ball to uh, Singleton, you you don't know if he's going to just keep it simple and hit the hole or if he's going to try to bounce it outside and do too much and end up losing a few yards. I think with Katron Allen – you know you're going to get positive yardage. Um, you know you're going to get a hard run and an encouraging run, even if it doesn't net a lot of yards. Like Cantron Allen's the type of guy, he could get three or four yards, but the way he runs is impressive. He runs with authority. He runs angry often. He trucked the Minnesota safety in the first half um, of that game, and that was when Penn State was up 10-3, and Franklin cited that postgame as a play that kind of got the offense going and the offense ended up scoring 45 points and had probably its best game of 2022. But uh, yeah, so talking back to the quarterbacks, uh, Brandon, you've made your thoughts known uh, both on the podcast and uh, on the site about uh, wanting Drew Hour to start. Honestly, you know, I've been in the Clifford camp most of the season right now. Um, I see both sides whoever who starts. I'd be perfectly okay with our starting, and I'd understand Sean Clifford starting too. I wrote on Nittany Sports Now uh, three reasons to stick with Sean Clifford, and uh, you can read the article on there. But basically, uh, I'll on the podcast, I'll kind of advocate for our a little more just to even it out. I think that Penn State can go 10 and 2 with our, I think that. Hour has impressed the coaching staff as far as I know in practice. He's impressed. We all know about his physical capabilities and he's impressed with his study habits, with what he does away from the field, with the questions he's asked, with taking what he's learned from Sean Clifford, who is a good leader and um, applying that to his everyday routine as a quarterback. He's impressed teammates. He's impressed people in the limited uh, sample size. He's been um, taking reps in games at quarterback and I think uh, if he is plugged in right now, um, he'd do just fine. And Penn State uh, could well go, go uh, 4-0 and make a New Year's Six Bowl game too and prepare for the future as well. So right. that that's that's the Drew Hour side of the coin that I see. Right, that, that's what's up. I mean, I was – and I did say – and I did – I was fair in the article when I wrote on the other day, it was like, he doesn't have to – Sean Clifford doesn't have to apologize for anything he's done. No. I I said he, to, he gave his heart, his soul, the NIL stuff, trying to give govern 
get college football union. I that is admirable. But I'm just saying, it, as if I'm as a Penn State fan, I'm a, a Penn State watch observer watcher. Okay, so we're technically not fans. I, I I mean, we've only really had an eye on this. I've only had an eye on this basically for a year. You were like a year and a half, correct? About a year uh, and a half? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you see in four years of this stuff, you're like, yeah, I can understand why that happened and I immediately do it. And plus, he's not a, like, if he pro, if he can't, if you were here, you started for four years or five years, you've been here that long, that means like like I may, I don't like going back to saying what Joe Class said, but you weren't good enough to leave. And then like and I'm not trying to flip like pivot it because we are we live in Pittsburgh. Like that's why I questioned Kenny Pickett getting drafted. I was like, he's getting drafted a six year guy. It took him six years to get where he needed to be. Because imagine like Sean Clifford getting picked in the first round of the NFL draft. It ain't happening, but no. would anybody who would do that? Nobody. It works out for him, but that's my input on that. But much respect to Sean Clifford at the end of the day. I know I probably bet I didn't bash him about like saying he needs to pass the torch, but all respect to him. Yeah. And that's definitely more respect than the Penn State fans that booed him before the Minnesota game two weeks ago, which that was just terrible. It should never happen really in any circumstance. And especially with somebody like Sean Clifford, who, okay, yeah, he's not, he's not the greatest quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He, you could argue he isn't a very good quarterback, but I think he's a respectable quarterback and Mm -hmm. he didn't, he didn't come. It's not like he came in with five-star hype either. Yeah. He was, he was a pretty polished high school guy, four-star state champion, but he wasn't, he wasn't at the level that a guy like Drew Aller is or Clemson's DJ Ugalele was coming out of high school. Uh, JT Daniels, who went to USC, then Georgia, now at West Virginia, those type of guys. He wasn't a can't-miss guy. And I think Clifford's gave a lot uh, to uh, this football program. And if he never plays never down at Penn State, which I think I think he'll get in at some point, even if he's not even if he's not the starter, especially on senior day, but his time's winding down. And I think uh, his legacy should be of a guy that disappointed on the field. Uh, sometimes um, definitely a polarizing figure, but at the end of the day, he uh, busted his tail for the program and that's really all you can ask for. But uh, yeah, as we wrap this up, episode eight of the victory again, podcast, even if you don't have an exact score, Brandon, what do you kind of think is going to happen Saturday? Uh, what do I think is going to happen? They might start off a little slow. Because I think in, in the end, it's going to have to, they're going to have to fight a little bit. They're going to show some fight. Because especially on defense, I think they'll stop the run a little bit early because of the injuries of uh the two starters. They'll start out, get the first couple possessions, then people are going to be like, Start Aller, start Aller. Yeah, in our in the Yinzer voice, and uh, 
then the game's going to slow down and the better team is going to rise. They'll get a jump on them, nice little solid jump. And then Alar comes in middle of the third quarter when the game's out of hand. And then he and then Alar Price throw a touchdown pass and every all the uh I don't know what to call the 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 I don't the Nittany Faithful. I don't know what to call them. Steel Nation, Nittany Faithful. I don't know. Uh, Nittany Nation. All right, Nittany Nation, yes. Yeah. The Nittany Nation is gonna go crazy. Yes, Drew, Drew. And then now it's going to be going even more and more. And then, so I'll, I don't know the score, but it's going to be a, they'll cover the 15 point spread. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah I'll go an early pick. I'll go Penn State 35, Indiana 17. And I think it's going to be a little more lopsided than that. Uh, you're, I think you're thinking kind of a Minnesota type of game is, uh, is what we're going to see. Um, it's going to be a type where Penn State's dominating the whole way is up 35-10, like two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Indiana gets a garbage time touchdown that doesn't matter, and that makes the score look closer than it is. But I think Nick Singleton, and I'll go a bold prediction. I think this is the game where Nick Singleton and Kentron Allen both get 100 yards, especially at your hours of starting quarterback, because you're not going to – you know, huck it and chuck it a bunch of times uh, with a guy in his first start on the road. I don't care if it's at Indiana or wherever. And especially when you have a team that I think has established itself as a team that ideally likes to run the football a lot. Um, I think those guys, no matter who plays quarterback, but especially if Allard plays, those guys are going to tote the rock and they're going to tote it quite well against Indiana's poor run defense. But that about does it for episode eight of Nittany Sports Now's Victory Again podcast. For Brandon Walker, I'm Joe Smelter. Um, we'll see what happens Saturday. But until then, keep uh, reading our stuff on Nittany Sports Now. Follow our Twitter at Nittany SN. Uh, like us on Facebook, Nittany Sports Now. Um, follow my, my personal account at Joe Smelter775 and Brandon's at B Walker to Dawn. Uh, but until next time, uh, we'll see what happens in Indiana. And Just enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see what the weekend brings us. Episode 8 of the Nindy Sports Now's Victory Again podcast has concluded.